Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. of uh, the Psychovetical podcast, um, a weekly podcast about <laughs> a weekly podcast by a climber who's not really a, not really a climber, and it's not really about climbing. It's a, it's about all sorts of things. Um, I'm your host Andy Kepatrick, the man who says um, all the time. So hopefully this is going to be coming out uh, on time tomorrow, which is. Which is cool, like cool. Oh my god, did I just say the word cool? Christ Almighty! I must. Be, I don't know where that where that came from. Um, <laughs> and I start saying cool, and I'll start like going up at the end of every sentence, which is even worse, isn't it? Cool. Um, I used to. I started saying when I went to first. Well, first I went to America. I went to America for like four or five weeks, first time, and I got into the habit of saying dude all the time, like as a as a joke to begin with, like because. You know, Americans are very doody. They are in California, and and like dude is like a really good word in that it kind of uh, can cover loads of things. It's like one word that can just cover lots of things. Like you probably just get through life just saying dude, like uh, dude and dude and dude. You know, it's like a it's a really it's a really cool word, really. And then I was working in a I was working in this climbing shop when I came back, and this guy was like, "Excuse me, I'd like to." I'd like to buy some socks. And I was like, oh, just ask that dude over there. And he was like, dude? Anyway, so what I've been doing this week before I get on with the the, the main thing, um, a bit tired. It's like, so So I remember, as I've probably told you before, a Thursday in the Middle East is the Friday. So tomorrow is like Saturday, even though it's Friday. I get, I, I'm still get, I get, I still get really confused. I feel like I'm, a, I feel like I'm like missing a day. But I'm also getting an extra day at the start of the week, so it's a bit it's a bit weird. I just can't really get my head around it, and um, and for some reason I keep going on about the call to prayer, but like they really, I might, I might have to go around all the the mosques and, st- and take them all like an alarm clock or something because they're all out of sync. Like at the in the daytime when the when everyone's when all the mosques start doing the call to prayer. You can hit. They all do it at the same time, and it's a little bit like it's kind of creepy. It's a bit like a like a horror film because it's not really the sound of like one one person doing the call to prayer. It's quite cool, but when everyone does it at the same time, it's just this kind of slow, like rising kind of cacophony of uh, I don't know what cacophony is, but I think it's like a, a coffee full, of, a coffin full of coffee. But it's uh, all at the same time. It's kind of like something out of uh, Pitch Black or something. You know, like oh no, this. The the sun's coming up, you know. We're all going to fry to death, like whoa, 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 you know that kind of thing. Um, but in the morning, they all—it's like someone's like getting up, gets up early and starts like 
getting out of the way, you know, like, oh, I'm up, I'm up anyway, I'll just do the call to prayer. So it's been going off about half past four in the morning, which is a, which is a pain. And also the next door neighbour, I know I've also mentioned if anybody, well, if I hasn't, hasn't heard this podcast before, also I've, there's someone in this block of flats who like starts vomiting, like they're probably like bulimic or something, but they're like vomiting as soon as the call to prayer finishes, which is like annoying. And the, maybe they're getting married or something, want to like go down a dress size or something like that. Um, and also the next door neighbour is like getting on his bike at half past four in the morning on his turbo. So all all in all, it's been a, it's been a tiring week. So um, when you have to get, I have to get up at half past five anyway. Um, so not it's probably not that bad, but um, yeah. So yeah. The, so um, what else has been happening? I did a five k. Uh, I'm not, I'm always a bit I'm always a bit skeptic, skeptical about running because I have this uh, one of my like you know one of my iron laws is uh, don't fuck yourself up, basically. Uh, D, F, U. <laughs> I got such. I have. I've actually got like a really bad <laughs> short-term memory. I actually have it on a piece of paper from a proper child kind of doctor person, psychologist type person. But I have like the short-term memory of like a six-year-old child or something. I can actually hold the word. Don't fuck yourself up and go through the alphabet at the same time to work out what it is. But anyway, if anybody knows what it is, just just keep it to yourself. Um, uh, what was my point? Yeah, so I've I'm always a bit worried about running. Uh, people like run too much. I think they kind of wear themselves out. It's, you know, you're not really meant to do with that much running. But there's not a lot to do around here. So I decided, uh, Vanessa, I, I didn't decide. I would just do nothing. But Vanessa decided to get to... Um, get us into some runs at the weekend so I did this like 5k and it was kind of funny like every the only the only downside was like basically Vanessa was the only woman who was wearing shorts and all the other women had leggings on so that was a you know a bit worrying um not worrying but uh, it's um yes uh anyway it's quite good but there was like like there was a lot of people and basically it was just like it was like you know when you see someone when there's like bomb attack or something it's like millions of people running running in the other direction it was a little bit like that really um it was just full of kids who who were like running really fast for like 500 meters and then just like stopped and got in the way so but anyway it was kind of it was kind of cool there was this weird thing where there was a like halfway around there was like a a guy like a dj with his decks like in a trailer being being pulled along so you had to kind of because you know i don't know what why you would have that in a marathon but you know, see, so it's a, you know, it's very much like an Arabic thing, and you had to like maneuver around it. But it reminded me a bit of, uh, is it Road Warrior, the the Mad Max film? It was a little bit like that. Um, <laughs> uh, on the on the subject of uh, of um, uh, crazy Muslim people, I actually put. Uh, I'm, I'm often very critical of the BBC. Uh, like I just find I can't watch the BBC anymore. Um, and uh, like I like something. I like the. I like. Um, I really like uh, like the World Service and stuff. Like, I remember I've done quite a lot of stuff for the BBC. Like, I've worked for the BBC in front, you know, in the front of the camera, behind the camera. Worked on you know TV programs and things. And uh, I, when I've done stuff like Radio Four stuff, and then when I've done like sometimes if you if you're like promoting a book or something, you'll have, you'll get these interviews. Or I was on like you know. Um, 
is it, is it midweek with Libby Purvis or something? And I have this thing, I have this game, I call it the spell game, which is quite, it's a quite complicated game. It's also quite a risky game. Um, I'm just going to drink, have a bit of my tea. I, I went cold last time, so. I bet you're all dying to know what the spell game is, aren't you? I'll tell you in a minute. Did anybody watch that um, Pavel, the guy who um, he was on Joe, Joe Rogan, um, Pavel Testuin or whatever his name is? Uh, he's a really actually. He's a, I've, I've known about Pavel for like a long time. Um, like I had all his all his books and stuff. I find, I find him like a really fascinating character. But he was on Joe Rogan, and you know, if you got on Joe Rogan, it must be like you know, massively important thing for your, for your career or whatever. You know, it's like really, you know, it's up there. And like right in the middle of it, he was just like, I need some more tea. And he just like went off, just got off the stool and went off and like made himself a cup of tea, which I thought was really, really cool. So this is my Pavel moment. So I was on, um, so I was on midweek um, and this thing with the, the spell game is basically a game where you have to make someone else think you're um, uh, really stupid. Uh, and I'm pretty good at this, pretty damn good at it. And uh, so a good example was, well, two examples would be, you said to somebody, um, do you know like double yellow lines? Like if you're blind, how can you tell when they're there if you, when you're parking? You know, so that's that's the that's the spell. Uh, another example was, so I, I play this with Vanessa, my wife, and one, one good one when she got me was we're walking along in America and there's all these like wooden telegraph poles. And she was like, like when do people come along and like cut all the branches off when they grow? off the telegraph poles, and I was like, they don't, they're dead, and she was like, spell, so um, it's a really good game to play, uh, a lot of people might just think you're a fucking idiot, uh, you can also play the double spell game, which is much harder to do, so an example of the double spell is when you say, do you know when the, when you, the double yellow lines, like, do you know when you park on them, like, how can, how can someone tell they're there when they're blind, and someone would say, because they're raised up, and they go, no, they're blind, and they got double spell, so that's that's more complicated. So when I was on when I was on Radio Four on the on midweek, um, do you know when you go in, when you go into like Radio Four, like basically only women seem to work there. Uh, there's no men, and um, and everyone speaks in Latin, and you feel like completely out of place. Like everything you say, you feel like you're in a Radio Four drama, like. Yeah, I'm just come come up to from north to do interview on on a non televisual device. You know, you just you just sound like uh, oh, I love it when we come together, my lady. I just sound you sound like something out like of Lady Chatterley's Lover. You just sound like an idiot, and everyone's like super posh and kind of super nice. And um, and anyway, you sort of whisked upstairs for the oh, we have someone from the you know <laughs> from the north, and you you know you go into the you know green room and you know the you know and i don't really like those kind of programs where you where you know you've got like basically everyone's just trying to sell something they're all just wankers basically they're all there like oh yeah and just though it seems here has got i would never get it on livy Purvis's program again after this bit but they're like oh here jonathan here's a professor of something from oxford university he's got a new book out called you know you know tough wankers or something you know it's just like it's just like that and everyone's trying to get their little their little thing in, you know, blah blah blah, and um, and uh, anyway, so we're all we're all sitting around this thing, and uh, there's a guy there who's like, uh, 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 I guess it was this is 
pr- pr- before when people talked about transgender and all that kind of stuff, but he was basically like, uh, I think he was like a transgender opera singer, um, you know, drag queen kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, he was like totally outrageous and, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And his name was Biddy. Um, but also, like, maybe if you any foreign listeners here, there's a, I think I mentioned it before, this programme, Blue Peter, which was really shit, that used to be on. And, that, and the producer was Biddy Baxter. So Biddy Baxter was really famous in the UK. He was very prim and proper. Like one of the presenters got pregnant and uh, she had to leave the programme and all that kind of stuff. So Biddy Baxter was a very famous person, but very, very prim and proper. So um, so anyway, so the, your woman turns up, um, the woman of this week, Libby, Libby Purvis, and I think it's Libby Purvis anyway. So she she comes in and, you know, she's all like posh and stuff. You know, a bit like you feel, you just feel a bit out of place. Uh, you know, you're drink, drinking your, your tea out the saucer, all that kind of stuff. And um, she comes in and she goes, oh, hello, everybody. And she goes to me, oh, Andy, pleased to meet you, pleased to meet you. Have you met Biddy before? And uh, Biddy's there, like, you know, transgender, you know, drag queen, whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, Biddy, what, like from, from Blue Peter? And she's like, no, that's another one. You know, so that was my spell moment. But the thing about, problem about the problem with the spell game is that people don't get it uh, unless you explain it to them. So, um, but inside I was laughing, you know. They just thought like, oh my God, this guy's a moron. And uh, yeah, but I had the last laugh, didn't I? So, and, and I and intentionally didn't say anything about my book. I think she brought it up uh, in the thing, but she was, uh, I don't know. It was a bit, it was a bit weird. I just find that, I find that, that's why I've never really got anywhere in life because I just can't be, I just can't play that game. I'm just not good at, I just, it's too, uh, you know, it's, just do it on your own, <laughs> just do it on your own terms. So why was I telling this story? Oh yeah, so I contacted the BBC because a lot I slagged the BBC off. Oh yeah, my other, back, back two stories is that, so every, when he went to Radio 4, it was always like really like, you know, you know, I'd often get into arguments with people as well. Like I was once on some TV programme and I was in the, I was in the green room, blue room, and uh, first of all, the woman who was like escorting me around, she like was dressed so weirdly that I said she'd make a really good Doctor Who's assistant, which I didn't think it didn't go down down very well. And uh, and then I ended up being in this room with this guy who was like a government advisor on nutrition, and he was going on about people had to eat more organic food, and I was like bollocks, basically. You know, like where, like most people just got to try and get them to eat vegetables. Uh, just you know, just ignore the whole. Just by saying, just putting the word organic at the beginning of it is going to destroy any. You know, just get them to eat. You know, carrots basically. Just start. Start anyone who anyone who thinks like eating organic food is a good idea is already eating organic food. Um, you know, so it's all the other. It's all the other people you have to deal with. Um, uh, I said to someone today actually that I that I, that I although I'm, I'm a very religious person, but I don't I don't have any faith and I don't believe in anything, and that I treat religion like I treat uh, eating fruit. In that uh, I can understand why people do it, but I don't you know I don't see myself I don't see why I should have to do it. So so this is this is like one of these stories. This is this is a good trick about comedy really is that you. You start one story and before you finished it, you begin another story, and it, and they and they all kind of go up, and then they all come back together again at the end, hopefully. So the end of that, the end of this little bit is that um, no, it's, this is the second bit before the end of this bit is that whenever I was at Radio Four, it was always a bit weird, um, and then uh, whenever you had to go to the World Service, it was completely different. You'd go over to another part of London, 
uh, where all like the embassies and stuff are, and it was just like really really cool. It was like being it was like going into like like the MI um, the old like MI five building or something. Uh, I ha- actually I've been into lots of inter- I once went to Scotland Yard. That was interesting. Did a talk for Scotland Yard. Anyway, um, so. Yeah, it was just like different. It was just different. It was like you know the the control room, and it was like really a bit shambolic. Everything was like messy and wires and loads of old like equipment and stuff. And and the people, you just seemed to have more time. It was almost like more like old fashioned uh, kind of radio. And you had like you'd have like fifty minutes to talk to someone. And I don't know how you're supposed to really have anything of any real value when you're talking to someone for you know such a short amount of time. So. But anyway, so I, I contacted, I got, I did a program last year, the year before, uh, called The Digital Human for Radio 4, and uh, contacted the the producer, and I'd had like a few ideas, and when we went to Denali last year, I thought it would make quite an interesting radio, radio program, but um, a lot of these things, you always have to have like a series, or have an idea that fits in to a series, but I was, I was saying that what I'm thinking of doing, like I'm starting this other podcasting channel, which has nothing to do with climbing, and on it, I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna take part in like Ramadan, so I'm not gonna eat for like a not gonna not gonna eat for a month. Damn, I got it wrong. He died. Didn't realize you could eat when the sun went down. So um, I'm gonna do like ra- like Ramadan for a month, and then podcast like every single day throughout Ramadan. Uh, I might. I was, th- I was actually thinking when I was like laid at wake at half past four in the morning as they were all going off in the mosque. I was thinking of actually getting a actually d- doing some kind of prey type thing um might might be inter- might be interesting to to come up with my own little prayer but i think i, I won't do it outside because i probably just get murdered um apparently when it when ramadan's on if you uh you'll get arrested if you go if you try and if you're outside eating or drinking and all and everything closes up like all the even starbucks closes up which is like pretty damn serious for me because i won't have anywhere to go and <laughs> go and work i'll have to go to the mosque um so yeah, so I, so I just suggested like for the BBC, this would be quite an interesting person because not only am I kind of uh, um, religiously, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm agnostic. Uh, and what I've also, like, I'd, I'd pretend, I'd probably say like in the past, I was very hostile towards all all religion. And I noticed today that on the um, uh, Richard Dawkins uh, Twitter that he's actually changed his Twitter thing. Um, Profile to that he's a humorous, humorously um, poking fun at religion or something, which sounds like a, it's a little bit like submissive kind of like uh, thing, really. So anyway, so I was I was one of those like Dawkins kind of Peter Hitchens, and I read like you know God is not great and you know all those kind of books about religion because I was kind of interested in religion, and so yes, yeah, so I thought it'd be quite a good, quite interesting instead of like doing a. BBC, you know, Radio Four, whatever program, where you had some like Oxford, you know, posh Oxford, uh, you know, person, you know, who's, you know, talking about how wonderful, you know, Islam is and all that kind of stuff, and like, oh, the glory of the blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. We heard it a million times before. You could have someone who was like a little bit hostile towards religion, actually doing, doing, uh, you know, sort of, you know, doing Ramadan. So. So anyway, so I, I, I sent him this, this email, said, like, what about this idea? And I said how this was, for me, you know, although I've, I've really gone off the BBC of late, mainly because of Doctor Who, I don't, I don't actually watch Doctor Who, but, you know, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is this is the kind of programme I'd actually like to listen to uh, on, on BBC. 
because uh, I think they've lost the way BBC a little bit. Um, like, I don't mind being lectured to, but I don't want to pay for it. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so that's, we'll see, we shall see what happens with that. Probably uh, nothing at all. Um, other news, um, uh, I've been doing my accounts this week. So I have a, I have a company in Ireland, uh, and I'll, like, I pay myself minimum wage. Like, I would, I would uh, sack myself. I'm not even worth that. I'd sack myself if I could. But I can't, so so yeah. So going going through my accounts is like a disaster. Oh god, it's terrible. I really hate doing that. Um, trying to work out what was. I don't actually spend any money, really. Uh, the biggest thing, the biggest expenditure is is stuff like uh, is flights. <gasps> oh my god, sorry. I do apologise. I repent. Um, flights and uh, no, not that many flights. Uh, and um, when you do a, if you do like Kickstarter, like a crowdfunding thing. You get like you get like some money one year, and then you have to start actually, you know, paying for the thing. Pay people crowdfunded the year after, so there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like orders for books. You have to like what, add them all up. So yeah, so um, yeah, I really hit it. I said it's like doing your accounts. So when you finally finish this like your spreadsheet and you send it off to your, I have an accountant. Otherwise, I'd probably go to prison. Uh, I send it, I send it off to my accountant. It's a bit like flushing a big turd down the toilet. Like you just don't want it to come back again, and it did come back again um, several times. So, so yeah, um, so yeah. So the, the the rambling over. Um, I had a few. I have a, like my podcast on a on a Tuesday is like really sort of gear gear sort of focus. So if anyone's got any questions. Um, send send them in, but um, but this this podcast is a little bit a little bit uh, longer um, and about about other things. And I had a few people asking me about uh, fear recently, like how you do deal with fear. Can I have another cup of tea now? Another drink of tea. One second. Uh, if you have a if you have a if you pause for too long, I think I think on radio on the radio something comes. You have to say something like every. 10 seconds otherwise uh like something clicks in like some you know this is the bbc you know something like that so i, I can't drink my tea for too long but it's going to be a bit cold so <sighs> right um is drinking tea like yawning in that when you drink it people want to drink tea as well i don't know so yes yeah, so a few questions about fear so because I'm, I'm actually I'm working at the moment on this still trying to finish this goddamn book I'm I'm trying to finish which is taking forever so I'm, I've got like t- tons of time to actually work out what I'm going to say and I'm I'm probably going to talk to my friend uh, Pete next week uh, who's like who's rowing across the rowing across the North Atlantic at some point uh, about about fear basically and about planning these kind of, these kind of things so, so I thought like, oh, but I'll I'll do something about fear. And I thought instead of like actually putting any effort into it, I'll just read something out because I'm remember I'm trying to learn how to read, um, read things uh, when I'm doing podcasts and make it sound more natural. And I um, so I just thought I'll just find something I've written about fear already. And just just bang it in there, you know. So I just googled the word uh, fear and Andy Kirkpatrick, and I came up with uh, some interesting things. Uh, 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 so I came up with a few blog posts I'd written like, quite a long time ago, like 2014. And it was what's interesting is when I write stuff, I generally n- n- don't read it again. I don't read it. I often don't read it even when I've written it. Like I might just go through it quickly and just see 
see what spelling was, you know, see if I, see if I can spot what's, what's, um, what's spelled wrong. But I generally don't read it again. Uh, like I did this book two, a few, two years ago, uh, Unknown Pleasures, which had like quite a few old like, bits of writing from the, my blog and stuff. And it's kind of weird going back and reading it. Like I have this, uh, I have this like ability to, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually like incredibly sensitive person. Like I really can't deal with any kind of criticism, which is kind of kind of weird. And I always thought like I would eventually get good at being criticised uh, and not take it too seriously. But it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to be be be, be happening. And even yesterday when I was like go- when I was googling, I was actually googling the word wanker because I was going to do something about partners, partnerships in climbing instead of fear. So I was like googling wanker Andy Kirkpatrick because I thought I'd written an article with the word wanker in the title. Anyway, and I came up with something on uh, UK bouldering about how the BMC shouldn't fund this film I made with, uh, well, I didn't make it, it was about me, but by Jen Randall, uh, Cycle Vertical, because I basically was like a racist and I was a, a bigot and I was, you know, I shared links to Breitbart and all this kind of stuff. And it's like from 2017. And, you know, the person who's writing it is actually someone I know and I actually met them in Yosemite and someone I have a lot of respect for. And when you read what that person, how, how that person views me in 2017... It's it's kind of really really depressing. It's you know like you could you can like I've got the tendency to attack attack if I'm attacked I always attack back immediately because it's just it's in my DNA. It's like how I grew up, um, and you know you attack back immediately. And I would say that person is like in, he has this illusion that he's this completely open-minded, you know like you know progressive type person, but really I would say he's like incredibly bigoted and narrow-minded himself and uh but so you can say that and you could like try and attack it attack him back but then you just stand up uh but then he just sticks with you in your head like all night long having read this thing and then probably a lot of time today and you think you're thinking about it you're thinking about because you're always like you're always, always going through this like this this like systems analysis i would i would call it is where you're always trying to check yourself you're always trying to check your moral kind of bearing and if people judge you that like I have this thing that it's what people think about you is more important than what you think about yourself so it would probably be very easy to come to see me as being someone who is like racist or whatever because um you because of social media you haven't got time to explain like I, I have this thing that I don't believe I should ever provide my full biographical details you know that I grew up with people who were refugees and you know, who were like, you know, black or, you know, from Lebanon or whatever. Like, I, you know, I, I've always seen myself as as not being a racist person. And uh, I have some very good, interesting, in my, in my other podcast I'm going to do, I've got a really good story about how you really have to get the full story of something to really understand what's really going on. So I would say that in, in this period when this person thought I was being a complete racist, I think I was just like brave enough to start asking some questions that seem now to be like very relevant. And if people had asked them, you know, in 2014, we wouldn't have had Brexit and you wouldn't have had Donald Trump and all these and all these kind of things. But anyway, so. Um, so, yeah, so so I think part of being too sensitive is also one reason why I probably don't go back and read what I've written in the past, because because I, I have this I have this ability to kind of read something like if I if someone's going to be really if I know someone's going to be really critical, like I 
when I read like reviews on on um, on Amazon, like you have a lot of really good reviews on Amazon. They have like hundreds of really good reviews. But if it's like a one star review, I kind of like I have this ability to kind of absorb all the stuff in it that's really gonna like hurt me <laughs> without reading the full content. I just can't read it. I just find it too painful to because I think I'm like such a critical person in myself that I just don't need any more. I don't need any more criticism in a way. Um, I can see all my I can see all my failure failing failings. Um, so yeah. So so so. So, so looking at fear, finding this article about fear, um, uh, what was it called? Um, I fa- yeah, I found this article about fear, uh, and then it referenced another one. This this article is called the thing the thing that scares me, and I I'd not actually I only like read the first little bit, and I thought it might be interesting just to read it uh, without actually reading it first to see what it says because that's kind of a bit scary because I'm sure it's going to have loads of mistakes, you know. I don't even know what it's really about. Um, like I remember a few years ago, I, start, I was at a literature festival and I start, decided to read because the per- person before me was Helen Moore, the poet. And she was like writing, she was like writing some fiction, I think. So I said, because I'm kind of, you're a poet and I'm a writer. Maybe I'll write, I'll read some poetry. So I had this like, this poem I'd written, which is called like poem, poem to a son or something. Is it any poem to a son? It was about my son, basically. And in a way, it was kind of a bit of a it was it was like a bit of an apology. This poem, and I started reading it, and got halfway through it. There's a line about like pouring water over his head from like a from a a jug, like in the bath when he was a baby, and it just I just couldn't. I just became so emotional I couldn't even finish it. I just had to stop. And uh, so it's actually quite it's actually quite scary reading what you've written because you don't really know what you where you're at really so um so yeah so th- so this is so this is like uh sorry for rambling but this is a this is a um this was a que- i think this was a question someone sent me a question so i'll read you the question and then i'll get on oh no it's not a question i think there's a there's a if i'll, I'll do maybe i'll do another episode another version the next part of this podcast will be this actually led to a another que- a question from someone about about fear so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and read this out in some kind of uh, some kind of way. I'm not trying. I'm gonna not try and read it too quickly. So uh, <coughs> it's quite funny because actually this I think this is actually about me having to read something out, which is kind of weird. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm you know maybe I'm just playing a trick on you. So <laughs> sorry. Um, this is the BBC. Uh, <laughs> I played that song, Everyone's Free to Wear Sunscreen by Basil Ehrman to Ella and Ewan the other day. One of the best songs you could ever play a young person. Well, as long as they're old enough to listen. Ewan just sighed and said, this is rubbish, it's just like someone talking. If you've never heard it, then it's based on something that Kurt Vonnegut wrote. A kind of list of advice for life, which sounds naff, but it isn't. I'm a massive uh, fan of Kurt Vonnegut and love the way he could dis- deconstru- deconstruct events, his life and the structure of art, and lay it out for you, and in a funny way as well. Anyway, if you've never heard, the, if you've never heard it, download it and listen to it a few times. And while you're at it, buy a copy of Slaughterhouse-Five. In the song, there's a line about, do one thing that 
do one thing every day that scares you, that I really like, for obvious reasons. Then I played the song to Ella and Ewan in the car. I wasn't sure if it was going in, their heads. I wasn't sure if it was going in, their heads down, fiddling with their phones as they drove to the seaside. But it did. It was almost every day since then, Ella keeps saying, Dad, this is... This is the thing that scares me today. In between trips away, this fear is not particularly present in my life very much. I guess I can get several years worth of fear in a week or so, so maybe I shouldn't feel so guilty. But I do miss it, that sudden flash of fright or the gentle rumble as you press slowly into something you dare do. It can be as invigorating as swimming in a mountain pool but only when, you're, only when you've toweled off and the ordeal is over. I miss it. For a while now, life has been too good. As soon as I start to feel happy, I feel like I'm coasting and then get that Protestant guilt about an easy life. I moved to Hathersidge in the peak at the start of the school holidays, a place I've always, wanted to, I've always dreamed of living since I was about 12. There's a bit in Cycle Vertical about it, where we're camping in North Lees, I walk up to the top of Stanage and think this is where I want to live. I've moved into Ben Bransby's house while he's away for a year. Let's hope some of his great magic rubs off on me. I've got a new partner, Mena, who's good at proofreading, as well as an extra child, Fion, a five-year-old, which at 43 could be a bit tough, but there's enough magic to make up for early mornings and terrible kids' TV. In brackets, I've tried to get into her some better kids' TV result. She's kept watching iPop again, which I had no idea what she was on about until I started singing the Popeye theme song. The kids are happy. Ella takes a couple of exams a year early, getting three A's, including one in Latin. And I've got a job working with Montaigne starting in September. But this is all a problem. Just reading about happiness is both boring and a little sickening. Maybe it's just me, but I hate it when people talk about how happy they are, how in love, how centred, that their transoms are aligned, blah, blah. I'm happy for them, but I prefer a little more subtleness when it comes to love and happiness. So I apologise for the last paragraph. If anything, though, it shows that you can go from a very pit of despair and unhappiness to somewhere close to happiness in six months. Doing it again, sorry. Back to fear. A few months ago, I was asked to submit an idea to Radio 4's Forethought programme, a 15-minute monologue given to a live audience and broadcast before the 9pm news. I thought, I could talk for 15 minutes, no problem. I put forward some ideas and was lucky enough to make it as one of the final four speakers, my chosen subject, Risky Play. It was only when I told it was only that I was told that I had to submit my text, get it approved, and read it out that I felt the first stab of fear. Read it out aloud? I can write pretty well and I can talk pretty well. The idea of writing and reading out my words was something else. I'd never been good at reading having the reading age of someone half my age at school and enduring hours of special lessons to get my reading up. As a kid, it was all about the visual. The words always scared me. Worse still, I had that word terror where I knew I was going to be asked to read something out loud. 
I would get the terror and my mind would literally slow down to darkness. My thoughts are tied up with, with the fear of making an error and showing myself as an idiot or a retard that that's exactly what would happen. Maybe that's why I could stand up on stage and improvise stuff for two hours without notes because I just had to learn to do it without. And so the idea of having to read out my words, an essay of over 2,000 words, has been, has been hanging over me for months. After much tweaking, I finally flew to Inverness yesterday to do the recording in front of an audience at Eden Court Theatre. Penny, the producer, picked me up from the airport and we drove back through the countryside. She's produced a programme, she's produced other programmes um, about adventures, so she knew as well. I love Inverness. I miss living there. Uh, the city, well, large town, a great base for adventures. Being close to real wilderness, mountains and coastline, while still having a cinema, water stones and, a, and good coffee. Um, <laughs> and in brackets, but God, I really sound like a coffee wanker now. Driving through the streets, I'd got to know so well, where I'd felt so comfortable, made me a little sad. We all believe we know how our lives will play out. We hope we do, to fall in love, to have kids, to tow a speedboat on the back of a brand new Range Rover. Some people can see their future so clearly because they know tomorrow will be like today. This year, the same as the last. What they lack in excitement, they make up for in certainty. The tide between joy and despair, neither high nor low. They are not sad nor happy, but make the sacrifice of not risking their hand for something better in case they're dealt a worse hand. The certainty of their lives enough not to want more. I'd always imagine myself turning into an old grumpy Scotsman there. I had a Scottish, a Scottish name after all, and I can be grumpy. So it was sad to, to be back, knowing the strand of a possible history had withered and died. We drove to the BBC building, and Penny had got me, had got me over to talk for a few hours. It had sounded fine at home, but now seemed terrible. Oh no! So we drove to the BBC building, and Penny had me go over the talk for a few hours. It sounded fine at home, but now seemed terrible. Where I thought I sounded like someone reading a poem, she thought I sounded like an emotionless robot. Standing in a little room, just her and I, the Scottish rain falling from the sky, rereading my words again and again, desperate for her to approve for her approval, they made me feel like I was ten years old again. I had felt quite confident before, but now I had nothing but the words. You need more energy, she said and read my text back to me with more inflection, but to make me sound... But to me, it sounded too radio, too theatrical, like she turned into Tommy Saxondale. I don't feel comfortable being anyone else. I'll, try, I'll keep trying, I told her. Knowing everything better than not good enough was beyond me. The hour of the recording arrived, and we all marched into our seats beside the lectern. I was to go after Claire Cunningham, a dancer talking about her disability was ability. As she spoke, I looked around, trying not to think about how she sounded, how good she was, her ability to sound as if she had just she was just talking, not reading. It was too late for me to become a professional or learn to read properly. I just had to step up when she'd finished, find some energy and give it my best. After all, I never said I was good at this kind of thing. My argument and ideas would have to be enough. Next up, Andy Kirkpatrick, said the compere, 
and I stood up and walked over to the lectern. My heart was beating so fast and the words looked like they were moving on the iPad. Get in control or you're, going to be, you're not going to be able to do this. I grabbed the side of the lectern and looked up at the audience, then swiped my iPad to start the teleprompter app. The aim for me to not go too slow or too fast, so I'd finish in exactly, exactly thirty at one twenty minutes. Energy, energy, energy! I thought as I looked at the first line, a line I'd read about three hundred times, but in my terror, made no sense at all. The words all backwards, their meaning lost. I hesitated and felt five seconds slip through my fingers. Just imagine you're Tim Emmett, my brain screamed, and I did. I arrived back in Manchester Airport around 8pm, found my car and slumped into it, turned the key and retraced the same old route back over the Pennines, one I'd done so many times, coming back from work, speaking gigs late at night. I'd always hated it, the long slog up over the top of the snake, down into the valleys, past Hathergidge, then another hill to home, most often to an empty bed and dark and a dark flat. As the car zigzagged out of Glossop, I tried not to think about what I'd said, or if it was good or bad. I thought about how I could be so strong sometimes, to leave what I had said or done in the past, never to turn and feel remorse or even pride, but at the same time how I was tied to the past always looking back to see where I'm going forward in some direction. I'm never interested in revisiting what I've done. Someone told me they wanted to delete an old blog post a while back and I said they should have more respect for that past self. But what I had done is who I am. The programme would be broadcast in November. I expect I'd not listen to it. And whatever people said, good or bad, I'd fake disinterest, too afraid to know if for sure if I'd let myself down, too much of a coward to confound my low self-esteem that I'm shit. But then, as the dark thoughts chased me over the top, as they had done for so long, where I'd once slipped into the dark, lonely valleys of my choosing, it struck me that tonight there would be one less hill to climb, that down there in the dark was home, its windows lit, food on the stove, that there was someone waiting for me. So yeah, it's interesting reading that. So um, so basically, I did because not read it before. <laughs> read it before. So yeah, that was when I was like going out with um, going out with someone who's not my wife now, uh, and uh, yeah, kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird because I think a lot of the a lot of the things I write, I I just I just write them. I don't I don't sort of plan them out. I just sort of sit down and write them, bang them out, and that's it. So uh, yeah, it's kind of it's probably a bit like going back and reading a reading a diary. Um, like of, of late, like if the most writing I probably do these days that's not boring stuff for rock climbing is on my uh, Instagram account, and often I just use I kind of use it as a way of sort of priming the pump. So like this morning I wrote something about someone asked me about if you got a broken heart, like how do you get over it, and uh, so I just kind of sat down. In Starbucks, where I where my my office is, and uh, I had my coffee, and I just wrote like I think you have to write. You've only got two hundred two thousand characters on on Instagram, so I just wrote something, just wrote it, and then posted it. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad, but it's just a way of just getting my brain just 
warming my brain up before I have to start, you know, doing some proper, some proper work. So people often people often think that these kind of things, you've really spent a lot of time thinking about them. Um, but it is kind of scary. It's kind of scary rereading something like that because you don't really know what you're going to say. Um, you know, you might start de- declaring your love for somebody or or something. There was one or two bits I actually left out of that. I was reading it, so I must be getting a bit better at reading because I can sort of, I can sort of, you know, read ahead a little bit. Um, so yeah, is that about fear? Yeah, so that is, that is probably for me. The fear, like I don't get afraid. I can walk onto a stage and there's like two thousand people. I don't feel any any fear at all. Um, you know, I can be on a mountain. You know, in a storm. You know, when we when we went to climb like Mount Kenya, uh, was it last year, year before? Uh, you know, we got we doing like quite. A, you know, we got quite. We didn't get stuck on Mount Kenya, but we're basically. In a, on a point when we tried to do a traverse of Mount Kenya, we got to a point where it would be very difficult to get down on it in any point. Uh, it's like incredibly loose, dangerous kind of mountain. And uh, we were in like a big storm. We realized we had to try and get down off the mountain. And I didn't have, didn't have any fear whatsoever. So the, for me, like fear is, I'll tell you what, what it's a fear of being found out for me is uh, like I was, did, I did a gig somewhere uh, in um, Carnarvon in Wales, and a drunk guy got in, and in and right near the end, I uh, he shouted, he started shouting from the back of the theatre, and it, like he wasn't heckling, he was just shouting, and I just had like all that com- all that confidence you had to be standing on the, in a stage, just probably like five hundred people there, just kind of withered for a second, in that you thought you thought you'd been found out, really, that <laughs> you didn't know what, you'd said something that you shouldn't have said, or you. You know, you were making it up or something, and uh, that's that's like, you know, that's like real fear. It was funny. I used to, so I used, to, you know, when I used to do like corporate, more like corporate kind of things, I used to talk quite a lot about, you know, fear and anxiety and things. And one, but I always remember one time some guy came up to me and he said that when you're like the managing director of some business, you know, your whole life is just full of fear, like every single day. And it was a real, it was, you know, it really, it really struck me that it's kind of true. Like a lot of people's, a lot of people go through life, you know, like in in a way that I don't, I don't think I'd be capable of, you know. So, so yeah, so it's, so trying to learn how to read things for me is, is still, a, it's still an, it's still an issue. Isn't it weird? Like you're 48 years old and you still have a bit of trouble uh, reading aloud because uh, for the four, for the, the thing forethought it was, you know, you're in front of a studio, you're in front of an audience as well, and you're trying to read. And uh, I don't think it was, it was, it wasn't live, but it was, it was pretty live, and <laughs> it felt pretty live. So, um, so yeah. But I think that I think this question, the next podcast, if maybe I'll do, maybe if, if I follow up to this podcast, I actually had a, a good question that came about from someone who was asking about fear uh, in relation to having read this. So maybe I'll, I'll read that next. So. So yeah, um, if anyone's got any, you know, stuff, questions, whatever, you know, bang them, bang them in, bang them into me, uh, Andy, Andy at psychovertical dot com, and uh, yeah, I'll have to. That's probably made me. That's probably left me, left me with quite a few, uh, quite a few thoughts myself, <laughs> which maybe that, maybe that's a good thing, a bad thing. 
I'll try and I'll try and put a link. I'll uh, if I, I'll this will be on my website. So if you go to my website, I'll try and dig out the link uh, for the BBC program. You can have a listen to it. Uh, I've never list, I've never listened to it myself, but people liked it. I think uh, people said it sound like me. I think that's because I was reading. I guess. So and uh, and a few people asked about the curry recipe. I mentioned this thing about curry about a curry recipe. That's on there as well. If you if you look at the look on my website, I can't remember what it was, which one it was from. Maybe it was the last one, but it was I mentioned about a curry recipe that's very good. So yeah, so that's it. That's uh, time to sign off, and I shall uh, uh, do post another one kind of Tuesday-ish, the one about lanyards. So anyway, goodbye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.